Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Say the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and put your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. It's been many years ago. Um, I got the call to help a guy tag some calves, and there was about four inches of snow on the ground that day, and I love roping in snow. I also love using sarcasm, and, uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> the snow or the sarcasm part? Oh, the sarcasm part, right, yeah, and uh, so anyway, I, I, I get over to his place. I've never been to this place before, and uh, I unload my horse, and he unloads his horse, and his horse comes bolting out of there like a, like a racehorse, just, he comes flying out, and, you know, he's got to grab the reins as he goes by, and I was like, wow, this horse has a lot of exuberance you know he's ready to go and so he kind of pulls the cinch up and everything and he steps on this horse and and i finally looked at him i was like is it is this your wife's barrel horse <laughs> you know i mean just <laughs> you know how they are you know jumping around and i was like man are you gonna get bucked off oh no this horse don't buck he's just he he's raring to go and i'm well let's go so we go out and we come across this first pair and the calf doesn't have a tag and so Anyway, you know, he, he, he's got this horse's head, you know, trying to keep him reined in the whole time. And that calf and that cow take off. And I mean, he just gives a little bit of slack. And this dun horse takes off after him. And I mean, they are flying through the snow. And, and I, I don't know what's a little bit more nerve-wracking, riding through a prairie dog town or, or wide open at full stupid in snow. And so that, that's kind of what we're doing. And I was like, man, that, that dun horse can fly. And then all of a sudden that... That cow and that calf started drifting off, and they just kept going straight. <laughs> I looked, and the last scene I seen was him trying to do a one-rain stop going over the hill. Just, <laughs> I don't mean jerking on the horse's face. I mean, he wasn't abusing this horse by any means. But this horse did not, did not rate, and he wasn't soft and everything. But the, the I don't, I don't want to say funny. I don't want to say ironic. Maybe I don't have the right word. But the thing that stood out to me the most was whenever this horse unloaded is that it had an Alamar knot tied around his neck. Now, a lot of you might be like, yeah, you're waiting for that big like, and you're like, what's an Alamar knot? Let me tell you what an Alamar knot is. This is from Western Horsemen. They said it better than I could. One of the most interesting knots to become synonymous with the California vaquero and the bridal horse culture is the Alamar knot. A purely decorative knot, it evolved into a symbol of a horse being in the bridle, meaning that the horse had reached a level of training where he was comfortable working in a spade bit. This achievement between vaquero and horse could take up to 10 years of patient work, progressing through numerous training steps that did not rush the horse. The Alamar knot represents the legacy of taking the time it takes. The slow means fast approach continues to be practiced today by many bridal horse aficionados. On special occasions, to celebrate his horse's level of competency, the vaquero of old would take his finest horsehair macate and wrap it twice around the horse's neck and carefully tie the Alamar knot with two ends, making sure when it was finished, the ends were even.
So th- this horse having an Alamar knot was, was, was kind of like seeing somebody at a bar with the cross shirt on and the what would Jesus do and they're just drunk. And you're, hey, you know, it just, it, it just, the two did not go together. Okay. The two did not go together. But my question is, is like at the end of our lives, would God put the Alamar knot on us for our faith? Is, is our faith finished? Because you see, there's a, there's a form of godliness that has no power. There's a form of godliness that has no power. You know, and, and this form of godliness that has no power is the Christian that is saved, but didn't follow the ways of God. I heard an illustration uh, not too long ago that said that heaven will be like a safe harbor. And if you are standing on the shores of this safe harbor, there's going to be ships that sail in and they're worn and, and they're tired, but they're strong and they're sturdy and they made it. And then there's going to be other people that get into the harbor clinging to driftwood. Okay. And, and the Bible says um, that, that some people we, will be saved basically by the skin of their teeth. Okay, that's a Christian that had a form of godliness that had no power whatsoever, that they were not finished. I mean, sure, that they, they were saved, but man, they lived a very, very difficult life for not the right reasons. The difficulties they endured was not because of the cause of Christ. It's because they chose to try to do things their own way. And then they wonder why their life is such a wreck. They wonder where the promises of God are. Well, you don't get those promises. You know, those promises await those that do things the right way. You know, I mean, I, I've been guilty of this myself in that, you know, sometimes like a bunch of us are going to go work cattle for a guy tomorrow. We're going to go serve. And, um, you know, the, the thing that I want to do is take my good horses, right? I want to take my good horses because, I mean, Fiona and, and Headbutt, uh, I, I got kind of in trouble for using his other name, uh, Headbutt. Uh, you know, they can go a month or six weeks without being ridden and and just be on point, you know, but, but I've got a cult that, that she, she's really good. She's really progressing, but I honestly don't ride her like I should. And so whenever I go out to do something, I have a harder time on her getting stuff done, not because she's bad or anything like that. She just doesn't know anything. And I think a lot of us Christians, we don't prepare ourselves when we have time to be able to get something done when the time comes. But man, you know, if your horse has that Alamar knot on it, that means that you, you take the time it takes to develop that faith, to have that finished faith. You know, man, I, I, I pray to God that every single person in here today and watching online has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But a lot of people stop right there and it it makes their lives more difficult. There's a form of godliness that has no power. Exuberance doesn't equal efficiency. Slow means fast. I mean, if, if you can't practice 
following God when times are good, you're basically going to get yard darted when things are bad. And unfortunately, our sinful human nature doesn't ever want to go to God whenever things are good. The only time we really go to God is when things are bad and, you know, we, we... we're all beat up and broken and we're like, oh God, where were you in my life? And he's like, where were you when, whenever I was blessing you? When things were good, where were you? Exuberance doesn't equal efficiency. Slow means fast. One of the, I, I grin inwardly quite often because I, I meet these new Christians that are newly saved and boy, they, they are on fire for God, man. They have been like drenched in, in, you know, jet fuel and lit on fire. I mean, they're just, they are spreading the word everywhere they go. And they've been a Christian for three days, right? I mean, they are on fire, but you know, exuberance doesn't necessarily mean efficiency. Religion and legalism usually mark the new believer that is on fire for God. They, they, they have no idea what they're doing, so, so, they, so they default to religion and legalism. First thing they do. And then they go around telling everybody what they should and shouldn't do, and this and that, and this and that, and this and that, and this and that. They're, they're on fire for God, and I fully support that. But, you know, exuberance doesn't mean efficient. They're stopping on the side of the road, and they're helping every single person they come across, because that's what God has told them to do. And they're just, blah, blah, blah. you know, they're like that horse that's just, you know, they're like a barrel horse Christian. You know, they're in, they're in church every single time the door opens. And, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, okay? I'm not. But, you know, they, they don't know what they're doing, so they go, they go for the trifecta of sinful life, and they quit drinking, smoking, and cussing. Because as long as you don't drink, smoke, and cuss, you're a great Christian, you're going to heaven. That's what they think. That's that religion and, and legalism, Right? They start Jesus juking everything. Do you know what a Jesus juke is? Uh, this, this guy wrote an article one time. It's one of my favorite articles of all time. And a Jesus juke is like when you have that new on fire Christian that is so exuberant, the barrel horse Christian, and you can't even talk to him like a normal human being. You know, you're like, hey man, is that a new horse you got? Yes, because now I ride for the Lord. What? Did you answer my question or I'm confused? You know, or you, you say, hey, man, I like that hat. He's like, it's my helmet of salvation and my vest is the breastplate of righteousness. You're like, what? Who are you? The fire extinguisher, right? You know, come on. I mean, I know you love God, but you, know, the, you don't have to Jesus juke everything. Hey, man, do you like that new place in Elizabeth that's got those breakfast burritos? Man does not live by, the, by bread alone, but by the every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So do you like the green chili or the bacon one? I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I mean, exuberance doesn't mean efficiency. Okay, and I'm not trying to squash anything that a new believer has because in revelations jesus talks to one of the churches and he said man one thing i hope you're doing a lot of things right but one thing i hold against you is that you don't love me or love others like you did at first so i'm not trying to squash anything but what i'm saying is exuberance doesn't mean efficiency you've got to learn the difference between a relationship with god and following religion and legalism Take it slow. 
but aim for growth. Take it slow, but aim for growth. Listen, basically the front row (laughs) understands what I'm saying right here. And I love it that the front row knows what I'm saying. People will come with a colt that they adopted from a horse rescue that's nine years old and they want you to ride it for 30 days so they can take it on a trail ride. It doesn't work that way, people. 30 days does not make a broke horse. 90 days doesn't make a broke horse. 120 days doesn't make a broke horse. It takes years of constant riding and working and stuff like that in order to get that horse to a level of proficiency. More important, yourself to a level of proficiency where you and that horse can work together. You know, Paul met Jesus face to face. Jesus appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus and, and Paul was blinded by the deal. And then whenever he accepted Jesus Christ, as Lord and savior, like scales fell from his eyes and Jesus told him, go to the Gentiles, right? Now, listen, I hope that you have had a personal encounter with Jesus. I really, really do. But you've probably never seen Jesus with your own eyes where he appeared to you and talked to you and blinded you and scales fell from your eyes, okay? Probably none of us have had that happen. But even when Jesus did that to Paul, he didn't get up that day and get on fire and run around and start grass fires all over Asia and Asia Minor. You know what he did? He spent three years looking for Jesus in the scriptures, of studying. And that was before he even went to Jerusalem and met with James and Peter. Three years, not 30, not three days, not 30 days, but not three months, but three years, man. And Paul knew the scriptures better than anybody. He was a Pharisee among Pharisees. They knew what the Bible says, but Paul had a new lens of who Jesus was. So he went back and searched the scriptures so that he could take this message of Jesus out to the Gentiles. He knew that, that slow means fast of take the time it takes to be prepared. Exuberance doesn't equal efficiency. Look, time changes nothing except the date on the calendar. Time changes nothing. But in time, with the right work, Everything can change. Everything can change. If you want a finished faith, if at the end of your ride, you would love for Jesus to walk up and put that Alamar knot on you, you're going to have to understand that exuberance doesn't necessarily mean efficiency. And that Alamar knot is proof that you had a form of godliness that was powerful. Not an Alamar not just throw it on something that backs out of a trailer and blows by everything and stuff like that. There's a form of godliness that has no power. And that is religion and legalism. Religion and legalism have no power. They may look good. It may even sound good. But that is a form of godliness that has no power. Well, exuberance doesn't mean efficiency. We've got to learn to have a faith that will rate. Now, what do I mean by rate? The the cowboys in here, they know what I'm talking about. But, you know, um, 
on some of my younger horses, you, usually they would do two things when you were trotting out across the pasture. You'd either have to pedal them, you know, like you're riding a tricycle, you know, you, as soon as you stop pedaling, they come to a stop and start grazing, either that, or you're like, you know, trying to slow them down all the time. Man, I, one of my favorite things, if, if y'all have never cowboyed for a living, you would probably miss it. But what I love is to be riding out across the pasture with a bunch of good hands and all of, nobody's having to pull on their horse or spur their horse. Their horses will just rate. They go at the speed that the cowboy puts them. Whether it be fast, whether it be slow, that horse waits to be told how fast to go. Well, there's another form of rate, and that's whenever you're behind a cow or a calf. You know, that, that done horse that morning, man, it got right up on that calf and everything looked like it was going good. But when the calf peeled off, the horse just kept going. The, the calf was not anywhere in the equation of what that horse was doing. He just thought he was supposed to run fast and the calf just happened to be in front of him. And I think that our Christianity is like that a lot of times, man. We're exuberant and man, we're, we're ready to go and let's go, let's go, let's go. But we don't know how to rate. We don't see what God has put in front of us in order for things to accomplish. If they need to go faster, you need to go you know, a good, a good cow horse, man. Whenever it knows what you want, if the calf speeds up, the horse will speed up to get you there. If it slows down, it slows down and it puts you in the right spot. That's what God wants with you. If you want that Alamar knot to be put on you at the end of your life, that's what you've got to figure out. But does God have to peddle you? I mean, does, is he always like, hey, man, you know, in the back of our mind, God will always, the Holy Spirit will say, hey, this is what you should do. And it's usually difficult. It's usually difficult. And we're like, oh, well, I, I'm going to have to pray about that. Listen, you don't have to pray about something that God is telling you to do. Okay. If God says, hey, man, this person made you mad, you need to love on them and you need to forgive them. Well, I'll pray about that. God has already answered your prayer and told you what you should do. You don't have to pray about doing what the Bible tells you to do. And, and, and that, that's one of the, the uh, famous sayings of religion and legalism. Well, you know, I'll have to pray about that. You don't have to pray about doing what God tells you to do. But does God have to peddle you towards what you know you should already be doing? Or do you blow by what God wants you to do, either because you don't know what you are, what you're doing, or you're taking things into your own hand? And, I, and, I, and I've been guilty of that myself. God will say, hey, man, go do this. And I'm like, oh, that's a great idea, God. I'll do this and 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 this. And he's like, <sighs> we're all guilty of it. But there's a form of godliness that has no power. And that is one that picks and chooses the way of God that they will follow. Well, yeah, I know that's what God said to do, but I don't really feel called to do that. You, you, don't, you don't feel like you're called to love people like Jesus said. You don't feel like you're called to make disciples of all men and all nations. That was for somebody else. You know? There's a form of godliness that has no power. That is religion and legalism. And it is those that pick and choose what they want to follow and what they don't want to follow. And the third thing, if you want to finish faith, my question to you is, are you soft? Now, I'm not referring, I'm not referring to hairy bellies and lotiony hands, okay? That is not what I'm referring to. 
I'm talking about are, are you responsive to God? Are you paying so much attention that just the slightest nudging from the Holy Spirit, whether to stop, you stop, whether to, you know, can the Holy Spirit just lean forward just a little bit and you go looking for what he's pointing you to? Are you soft or are you like one of these Christians that, you know, that we see you go over the hill and and the Holy Spirit's trying to do a one rain stop on you going over the hill, you know, like, whoa, come on, man, what are you doing? Are you receptive to the guidance to the Holy Spirit? That's what I mean by soft. Are you soft? Do you stop when God says stop and do you go when he says go? Do you respond to God's leading? You should, and you can. Not because I said so, but because the Bible says that that's what we should do and that we can. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, Peter says, In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. God's promises are the signposts that will lead us in the right directions. God's promises are, are what we should be paying attention to, to whether we should go left or right. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. There's a form of godliness that has no power, and that is one that is oblivious to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You can be saved and be hard mouth, take the bit in your teeth, whatever way you want to look at that. There's a form of godliness that has no power, and that is one that is oblivious to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I have one picture I mean, I have several pictures that hang in my office, but I have one picture in particular. And it's just one of those regular pictures that there, there used to be these things, kids called a camera that had this thing called film in it. And you would take a picture and you'd have to wait like 90 days to get it back because Walmart couldn't find your film. And then you would get it back and realize that you exposed it all to sunlight. So all your pictures are black. <laughs> you know, there, there, was a, there was a time when, when we used to have to do pictures like that. But it's, it's a picture of me. And I'm sitting on a gray mare. Little filly colt. Still hangs in my office. It's one of my most prized possessions. It's uh, my dad put a piece of leather on the back of a horseshoe and laced it together and you put the rocker B brand over the top of it. And it shows me sitting on this Colt after one of the hardest days of my entire life. See the day before about 24 hours before that picture was taken was a Sunday and being the young exuberant cowboy that I am, I decided to put the first ride on this mare. And so I went out there and I saddled her up, man, she, she did just as well as the old saddle horses did. And I put it on there and I didn't have a round pin or nothing. I just had a little old square pin that we fed in and I kind of gypped her around a little bit and jumped next to the saddle and stood up in the saddle. She just sat there like no big deal. 
swung a leg up on her. She didn't do nothing, man. I kind of jihad her around because she didn't really know what she was doing. But, you know, I could smooch to her and kind of hit her on the butt with the end of my reins. And and she kind of got going a little bit. Never offered to hump. Nothing. So I stepped off and dad said, wow, she did pretty good, didn't she? I said, yeah. I said, I'm going to take her to Mar gathering. He goes, you sure about that? I was like, yeah. I should have asked where we were going together the next day. Because there's a particular pasture on the Rockerby Ranch outside of Big Lake, Texas. I don't know if it's still there. They might have cross-fenced it by now. But it was called Bullhead, and it was 17 square miles of mesquite. When we pulled up, it was a new moon. I don't know why they call it a new moon, because there's no moon in the sky. And it was cloudy, and you could not see the hand in front of your face. Have you ever towed the stirrup of a colt on the second ride in the middle of a 17-section pasture, basically blindfolded? I have. And it made for one of the most memorable days in my life. That's why that picture still hangs up in my office. Next week, I will tell you the story about that and how we can learn to respond to God's promises. Let's pray. God, you've given us unlimited power to accomplish your work on earth. We waste this power by religion and legalism and choosing our own way instead of yours. And by being hard-hearted instead of soft-hearted. God, we want to do your will and your will alone. And God, I just ask that you help us and guide us and point us in the right direction. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.